Chris, you know what I absolutely hate? It is the last two-minute report in the NBA. Uh, this is, of course, spurred by the latest controversy. You, you may have seen LeBron James having a bit of an adverse <laughs> reaction to a horrific missed call against the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that got me to think about the last two-minute report, which, if you're not familiar, is when... Usually the day after a game, the NBA will come out and be like, here were all the calls that were missed in the last two minutes. Here's what we missed here. Oh, with 49 seconds to go, a travel should have been called here. There is nothing more useless in all of sports than the last two-minute report. Who does this help? Like, who does this make feel better? It's like, oh, the loss is still the loss, but hey, we got it wrong. Like, what is the purpose of the last two-minute report? The worst part is that, like, I hear hockey fans being like, wow, they get a last two-minute report. Like, it's it's still aspirational because officiating in other sports has been so awful lately. But, good lord, it just it drives me crazy whenever the NBA puts out the last two-minute report. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, everyone knew this in this day of Twitter and social media and a thousand different camera angles. Like, what what is the purpose of this? It makes me mad. I didn't realize, Griffin, when you put this on your on the docket, that this was because LeBron James had recently been. This is what spurred me thinking about it recently. This is a thought I have had before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the ultimate thing is like, I think the reason that people are frustrated by it is that. It doesn't really, hypothetically, the desired result is to create accountability for the referees, but it doesn't really seem to do that. It just, like, gives people reason to be angry. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is, we have no idea what the accountability is for referees. It's all a very behind closed doors practice, but it certainly doesn't, like, I don't think that they get fined or anything. Like, all it is is just here's what they got wrong, now you know that it was wrong. Like, there's nothing concrete that comes from it. Yeah, so you think that these people should lose their jobs? No, of course not. (laughs) I think that this practice is useless. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, it's just hard when the alternative is nothing. (laughs) It's like, it is useless, but, like, surely nothing is more useless, right? I mean... That's an interesting philosophical debate. Is a, a is a net neutral better than something that is useless, or are they? The I guess same? it gives refs some level of plausible deniability because you always have those reply guys who are like, actually, it was this, and they were following this rule, so you're actually wrong. Like there are always people who are willing to tell you that you're wrong. So for the referees to come out and say that they were wrong kind of hurts you think their they're, image. They're heading them off at the pass. I think that I think that the referees should just keep quiet and that stupid people will defend, Try and defend them. them. Yeah, you've yeah. already got 50% of the people who are watching the game willing to defend you and 50% willing to criticize you. The last two exactly. minute report is just emboldening the people who are going to criticize you and making powerless the people who are going to defend you. Well, speaking of emboldening the people who are going to criticize <laughs> you, it's time for another episode of High Floor. Low ceiling.
you meant performance-wise. And welcome to High Floor, Low Ceiling, the sports podcast you are listening to now. Griffin, what's up? Oh, nothing much. <laughs> I went to see a play last night, Chris. Okay. In the theater. Spill, bestie. Uh, I went to the Royal Alexander Theater here in Toronto. Sure. Uh, to see Pressure, which was based a... on the novel Push. <laughs> based on the novel Presh by Sapphire. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it was about a weatherman who had hmm. to, like, get the forecast for D-Day and tell Dwight Eisenhower whether or not it was good to invade. Hmm. Uh, it was good. That was sounds fascinating. Pretty good, it was. It was, uh, the British weatherman thought that the weather was going to be bad, but the American weatherman thought that the weather was going to be good, so they had to come to an agreement. It had a guy from Downton Abbey in it, a show I have not seen. Hmm. Um, Maggie Smith? That that was the one, yes. I saw Maggie sure. Smith live in theater. McGonagall themselves. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Griffin, lots of things going on. I mean, Bo Horvat was traded. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of our last week's conversation, another great conversation with Adam Copeland. Um, yeah, Bo Horvat no on his no way No one saw the, the Islanders coming. Yeah, I mean, we talked about sort of the idea of is it better for him to go to a rebuilding team and resign there, or is it better for him to be a like a one-year rental for a contender? We kind of had split feelings about that, but I mean, like, it seems that the answer was ultimately neither. <laughs> like, <laughs> he will just, go to a middle-of-the-pack team and stay there. It's a very strange move to me. People seem very unhappy, by the way, with Lou Lamorello. Uh, I was so, going to ask if you... Lou Lamorello does not like having players who wear numbers above 40. What do you think Lou Lamorello's justification is? Is that like that encourages you to be a hot dog if you're out there wearing number 88? Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I did not hear he, about He has big problems. Like, there are two players on the Islanders. One of them is Jean-Cabriel Pajot because he had been on the team before Lou Lamorello joined, so he got to keep number 44. And I forget who the other one is, but he also had some sort of reason... That Lou let him, but Bo Horvat, who wore number I think fifty three in Vancouver, he's down to like fourteen. Lou Lamorello does not let players wear numbers above forty as a general rule. That's why William Nylander had to wear thirty nine when he first joined the Leafs. Wow. Um, Apparently, he doesn't like uh, facial hair either. No, no long hair, no facial hair. Yankees rules. Uh, might might be time to adjust adjust some of those. Rules. That's so funny. The, the number, like, the facial hair thing is like, it's stupid. It's stupid when the Yankees do it. It's stupid when anyone does it. That's, you know, not up for a debate. But the number thing seems particular. Like, the facial hair thing, it's like, there's at least a reason that you can understand behind it. Like, oh, they want, like, people to look the same and sort of, like, be very clean cut. Um, yeah, professional work, team, environment, all that. Yeah, but the number thing is so funny because it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think it is exactly what you're saying. He he thinks it's a hot dog thing to have a high number. Um, so back in Lou's day, real players wore number six and they were happy about it. Like, is yeah. that is that what he's? I do literally think that's what it good, is. Like, like what else Saskatchewan boys, they don't yeah. go higher than ten. Yeah, single digits is preferable. 
Um, and also, I, I was... But just, not number one. I bet he doesn't like I number was, one. Either. That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say, is I was Googling this, and it says that he prefers numbers between two and 30. Oh, my God. <laughs> not... <laughs> you can't go over 30, but you also can't pick one. It's very funny. When people um, tell you that, like, toughness is leaving hockey, this is what they're talking about. They're saying this is what they're longing for to come back, is when guys weren't allowed to go over number 30. Players are wearing 71 these days. It's all gone to pot. <laughs> um, but yes, Bo Horvat to the Islanders. I mean, I don't want to spend too long on this now that we spent five minutes on Lou Lamorello. Um, but a weird move, in my opinion. Um, yep. It's the classic... I think the Canucks did okay. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, certainly. I think it was a good trade for the Canucks, like, to get a first-round pick, especially a protected first-round pick, where, I don't know if you know this, but I think if it's in the top 11 or 12, then the Islanders will keep it, and then next year it will be an unprotected first-round pick. Ooh. So this is potentially a pick that, you know, either could be in the lottery this year, close to the lottery, uh, or could be an unprotected first-rounder next year. And as someone who has been playing a lot of NHL 22 franchise mode, I know about the have value you? of a first-round pick. I have, yeah. Wow, yeah. You can never get teams to trade their first-round picks in video mm -mm. games. Mm -mm. Um, so, yeah. so Who's your franchise? Who do you play as? I, I did a little thing where I had the Seattle Kraken. Oh, that's fun. And I started from the expansion draft. It was fun. It got tiring quickly just from, like, managing the contracts and stuff. Um, but, yeah, but we, we won a Stanley Cup. Nice. Uh, Who, who's now, the, who's the best player on the Kraken? Uh, of course it is. Well, our captain is Quinn Hughes, of course. Of course. Um, and then the first line was, like, Elias Patterson, Connor Bedard at right wing, in order because... Oh. Just to, because there wasn't space for him otherwise. And I forget who the left winger was, but, you know, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was on the nice. squad. That, you really pilfered the Canucks there. You got Pedersen and... Exactly. They didn't want to pay their restricted free agents. Um, what well, you, congratulations to the city of Seattle. Do you play yeah, Jake, the games, Chris? Jake DeBrusque. Simulate uh, the games. I, I, I'd say I play, like... Maybe 10% of the games. Like, I'll play, like, 10 games in a regular season. And mostly it'll just be, like, based on, like, you know, divisional matchups or where we are in the standings. Like, if, yeah. if you need a game, then you just hop in and play that game. Uh, oh, and, of course, Nazem Kadri. Oh, of uh, course. Became a two-time champion. The Stanley Cup was coming back to London. Uh, Good. Yeah, you gotta get your knights on the team. For those <laughs> so, listeners who don't know, Chris is a proud Londoner. Yeah. Uh, so I, I should have traded for Bo Horvat. Was he a uh, knight? Of course, Griffin. I'm sorry. Mitch Marner. Well, that I knew. John Tavares. Corey Perry. Ooh. I mean, what a squad. There was there was one year where it was like... Or a, maybe a two or three year span where it was like... Bo Horvat, Mitch Marner, Matthew Kachuk... Uh, Christian Dvorak, <laughs> not as highly tattered a name as those other ones, but, uh, you know, certainly a, a solid yeah, NHL player in his the, own right. The evil empire of the OHL, I would say. Max Domi. The New York Yankees of the OHL. 
Uh, but that is going to be our yearly quota on London Nights Talk, I am afraid. Um, there were a couple We're other leaving things. leaving the House of Green. Yes, Chris, we each have one dog remaining in our NFL stick'em. Yes, you, your Chiefs, Griffin, squeaked out the win. I was really Huzzah. thinking that it might be... Uh, Arrowhead. Yeah, not not Burrowhead. Um, I was really thinking it might, I might just take the whole thing, but I'm happy it happened this way. We have the two number one seeds from each conference going up against each other. Did you uh, leave nasty comments on Joe Osai's uh, Instagram? <laughs> yeah. As, as you want to do. I know that you're famous for... Uh... I always hop in the Instagram comments. Yeah. Uh, let's just take a quick look here at the Super Bowl betting odds mm. and see who is favored here. Uh, oh, it looks like the oh, it looks like we flip flopped a couple times because I'm seeing, you know, shout out to the Action Network, I'm seeing that ch- here comes Chiefs money. Oh so, boy! Uh, apparently, it flipped from quickly from Eagles plus two to Eagles minus two, and it has now dropped to Eagles minus one and a half. So a very very well, it sounds tight like here line. comes Eagles money. Well, it went from they went from minus two to minus one point five. Right. So that means that right now the Chiefs' money is coming back. But yeah, it right. should be a tight game. Patty Mahomes, my MVP, has got two weeks to rest that ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it'll be a great game. We will probably talk about it some more next week. Maybe I think so. Break out some of our patented props. So look forward to that. Uh, and then also, Griffin, uh, this morning, as of the time we heard we are recording this, Tom Brady is gone Brady. Who? Tom Brady from football. Oh, from football. Of football fame. He I thought you were talking about the Montreal Expos prospect. Sure. Or I think there's a director who... Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll look into Tom Brady, the director, but apparently, Griffin, he is retired for good this time. For good. Uh, Real, not with a bang, but with the whimper vibes. Yeah, yeah, he really, he could have gone out, like, what, he losing, like, the NFC Championship last year? Like, uh, yeah, what do you think, Chris? What's the legacy for Tom Brady? Positive? Negative? <laughs> What's your take? I, I think on the balance of things, he comes out ahead. Um, I think ending your career on a playoff loss to the Cowboys is probably oh, not I ideal. he made the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, they yeah. were the that was the the Brett Maher game. That's the right, game that he yeah. went out on. Yeah, good lord. Um, and that is how he will be remembered. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but no crazy story. You know, he was a like a seventh round draft pick. Went all the way. Won a few Super Bowls more than anyone else. Uh, did some time in Boston. Did some time in Tampa Bay. Set a few records. What else? What else is there to say about Tom Brady? <laughs> what else? Good-looking is... guy. Sure. Yeah. Seems like he's got a good sense of humor. Pretty funny on Twitter. Seems like he's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, he's funny on Twitter. Do you think he writes those? Yeah, I think so. It seems like like his style. Interesting. Um, eats I'm, I'm eats just... weird. Eats like super healthy. Kisses us on the lips. We all know this. Yes, yes. I'm trying to think. Do we have a take? Like, what? Is, what can we say? I mean, like, really, like, I'm trying searching for a take. I feel like really, like, because we don't hedge here at High Floor, Lizzie. Like, certainly not. I feel like his legacy has like 
not as a player because like he's very firmly like I think he's locked in as the greatest football player ever. I think it'll be really hard. It's in the same way that Jordan sort of locked himself in by going six and zero in the finals. I think it's really hard to <laughs> like take away the seven Super Bowls and take away the Super Bowls exactly. And I think it's going to be extremely hard for any quarterback going forward. Like, I mean, like, Patrick Mahomes, as amazing as he is, like, he's going to his third Super Bowl in four years. Like, he's not going to win seven Super Bowls. So, and even so, even if he is, I don't think. I mean, I I just think that we are witnessing something incredible with the first five years of Patrick Mahomes' career here. I'm curious to see 20 years from now how the Mahomes-Brady debate goes. The interesting thing for me about Tom Brady is that, like, he is not the most talented quarterback in NFL right. history. I would I would say Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers were both like better players than him, but right. that that I think is the interesting thing about his legacy is that he didn't like he didn't have a ton of wow factor. Like his wow factor was situational. You would look at the mm-hmm. games he would play. It's not like there were and of course he was a great player and he had a great arm. I'm not trying to say yeah, that. I mean, he just was like, like a three-time MVP. Yeah, but I just mean, like, there were moments when, if you watch, like, Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers or even Patrick Mahomes, where you're like, holy crap, how did they do that? But Brady always made it look so easy that, uh, like, it's that interesting debate between greatest quarterback ever and most talented player ever. Right. Um, Which is sort of what I'm getting at. It's like, even if, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I think, and most people would agree, is a more talented, like probably has already cemented himself in a lot of ways as, like, the most talented quarterback ever in terms of, like... Yeah, quite possibly. The throws he can make, the things he can do, you know, with his legs that most of the other all-time great quarterbacks haven't been able to do, um, things like that. But then it's like, if he doesn't win seven Super Bowls, then there will be this very large contingent in the same way there is for LeBron James as opposed to Michael Jordan... Where it's like, he can't be better. He doesn't have seven Super Bowls. Yeah. And that's just, I just really don't see that that's going to be topped. Yeah, no. Winning seven Super Bowls is... I I do, and this is something I feel like you could talk about with LeBron right now. And so you could talk about it with Shohei Otani right now. As soon as we see it done, I think we as sports fans in today's day and age accept it way too quickly. Like, seven Super mm-hmm. Bowls is insane. Seven Super Bowls. Like, there aren't... I'm trying to, he's, there aren't any teams with seven Super Bowls. No, I don't think so. It's, um, like, it's incredible. And the to win one after he left the Patriots, without Bill Belichick, I think, just really, and the fact that the Patriots have been mediocre ever since he left, I mean, for me, that I would have, if you had asked me who was a bigger part of the success, and this is not to say, like, Obviously, we don't know for sure, but I would have put money on Belichick being more successful without Brady than the other way around. But sure. for Brady to I mean, go out and win that last Super Bowl, I think, as much as he was already the greatest player of all time, really just sort of put him even to another level still. Yeah, exactly. That, that You're exactly right. That winning, regardless of what you think about Belichick versus Brady, who was more valuable, I think, you know, I would still probably say Belichick, especially when you get into, like, general manager aspect and sort of like his role in constructing the teams as well. Um, But that win without Belichick is hugely important for his legacy. And also just like 
he won two Super Bowls in his 40s. <laughs> yeah. Like, that alone, like, should be enough. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, Tom, on a great career. <laughs> you you get the high floor, low ceiling stamp of approval. Yeah. Uh, if you ever want to come back, you can play for the high floor, low ceiling football team. Absolutely. What, what would our mascot be? Uh, it would, of course, be a person hunched over in a room with high floors and low ceilings that don't really have room to stand up straight. Sure. Just like this podcast. What about the what about the snakes or like the vipers? Because like mm, that could if, it, if it's a, a house with a high floor and a low ceiling, then a snake would perfect. really be able to maneuver okay. around. Okay. Yeah. What about like the, the diamondbacks? What about the flat Stanleys? Oh, those that is that a cop- classic childhood that series. Copywritten. Not Probably not, right? <laughs> no, it's public. Gotta be public domain at this point. Come on, anyone could come up with the idea of a guy being flat and his name being Stanley. <laughs> Nothing special. Do you think there was there could have been a better name for Flat Stanley, or was Stanley the perfect name? I think Flat Stanley really just rolls off the it tongue. It really don't does. You think? It does. Shout out to, uh, of course, the most well known author, the author or of the Stanley books. I don't even really need to say his name. You guys all know that it's Jeff Brown. Uh, who has passed, I'm now seeing. Oh, God. Some, well, some time ago, 20 years ago. Well, yeah, the first book was written in 1964. That's crazy. That I always thought it was I'd, more recent I assumed recent they were coming out when we were kids. Yeah. Um, so, congratulations to, Tef, to Tom Brady, and apologies to Jeff Brown's family for your loss. Jeff Brown, born January 1st. Isn't that funny? That is. I always find it interesting when people are born on, you know. Dates that we find to be significant. Um, I think the calendar is a construct, personally. Much like Jesus being born on Christmas, that's interesting. Oh, Um, you're going to say Jesus is a construct. (laughs) That would that would have been cut. Um, No, no, the Midwest audience would not have stood for that. Our our beloved Midwest audience. Absolutely. Shout out to my mom. I hope you're (laughs) out listening. (laughs) And. Quickly, because we've already we are already somehow. She running was our along. follower of the week. I'm pretty sure she is listening. Probably a two time follower of the week, I believe. Um, the couple of pieces of WNBA news: the Las Vegas Aces signing Candace Parker, the New York Liberty signing Brianna Stewart. Two huge uh, signings by those respective teams. Yeah. Um, you know when you add in. Some of the signings that the Liberty have already made this year. We can start talking about them as championship contenders, I think. Uh, so, you seem to be of the opinion, I detect, that the reigning champion Aces are just very much the team to beat here. I, As much as I love the Liberty's moves, uh, their big three of Ionescu, Jones, and Stewart, I think is going to be formidable. Um, and those, like, Ionescu and Stewart are two of my favorite players in the dub. Um, I just think that the when you look at the starting lineup of the Las Vegas Aces, which I'm sure you have in front of you and can inform our listeners of, Chris. Of course. Uh, well, you know, you have Aja Wilson, the reigning MVP. Yeah. Uh, you have Derricka Hambry, uh, who, uh, well, I don't know, will she still be starting? Uh, I, I think Candace Parker I guess will she, take Yeah, I guess that's the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum in the backcourt. Kelsey Plum, of course, uh, made a lot of waves last year. Chelsea Gray also made a lot of waves last year uh, with her successful season. So, I mean, like, it is 
I guess I guess stacked is really the only way to describe it. I mean, Candace Parker is interesting because she hasn't really it's almost it's not quite a LeBron, I don't think, but it's almost a LeBron in terms of like we know she has to decline sometime. She isn't, you know, the player she was like five years ago when she was really in her prime, like a twenty point per game scorer. Um but she is still a very valuable piece to any team, and like we saw that two years ago with their finals win, so Yeah, absolutely. But it's just like there's four former number one picks on the Las Vegas Aces right now. Like they are stacked to the rim, if you will. Sure. Uh, so I'm sure apologies to Kevin Durant, who I know was a and it's probably happy that Brianna Stewart is a member of the New York Liberty this morning, but I still think they're in second place. I I'm assuming, I'm praying that this is our finals matchup, though. And everyone's yes. healthy and all that. Yeah. I mean, like, but then you look at the sky last year, and it's like, that's a stacked roster as well. I mean, obviously, Sabrina Sabrina Ionescu and Brana Stewart, I feel like that's like, have we seen a combination that potent in the WNBA before? Where, like, probably two players who could be, like, MVP caliber players in any given year. Uh, not in a while, at least. Sure, not in, not in recent memory. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think... And then, of course, John Cole Jones, a former MVP in her own right, so... Yeah, a recent MVP, 2021. Mm-hmm. And while we're doing retirements, congratulations to Maya Moore on her retirement. Uh, sure. She, she retired a, a couple days ago, I think, officially. Okay, well... Um, yeah, one one of the greatest players ever. So good for her. Absolutely. Uh, All right, you want to get into our segi here? <laughs> we got we got to get moving. Uh, yes, let's jump into our segi, Griffin. Uh, it's now officially February. That it is. Happy birthday to me. Um, it's not my birthday, but just a fun. few days. By the time next episode records, it will have been your birthday. Absolutely. And I'll be turning 30... How old do you think I am? Uh, well, if LeBron's 39... Right. And Tom Brady just retired... Uh, he's, I'm what, gonna, 45? Yeah, I'm going to say that you're, like, in between those two, so I'm going to say right. you're 42. But you're saying right. 30 because you're doing the cheeky, oh, it's my 34th yeah, birthday. Yeah, I'm turning 30 Arr! for the 18th time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I am turning 37, so thank you, Griffin. Um, I can't wait to celebrate with you. <laughs> I mean, Lou Lamorella must be furious. <laughs> yeah, you're running out of... <laughs> okay, Lou, I'm turning 29, sorry. Uh... <laughs> Turns out Lou Lamorella's been killing people before they turn 30. That's a good... That's going to the show. next... That, that's the next dagger <laughs> from from, from it's it's like but it's like Blumhouse but it's it's Blumhouse but the floors are high and the ceilings are low <laughs> it's a squashed Blumhouse <laughs> Blum squash yeah that's our horror movie studio yeah it's called Blum squash <laughs> Blum squash I love it not squash house which would make far too much <laughs> and not be you know infringing on Jason <laughs> Blum's copyright and. Good name. Maybe we bring him uh, in. Absolutely, we can bring him in, Griffin. But we can't bring him in for this segment. No, because uh, he doesn't know jack about what we're about to talk about. <laughs> he doesn't know. Well, I can't cut this, but he doesn't know dick all. <laughs> um, 
we it's February. It's All Star season, is what I would say. Uh, the NBA All Star game coming up in a little under three weeks. Uh, of course, we are sort of in the throes of NHL All Star Week. I've so, only ever heard the phrase in the throes of followed by the word passion, so I wasn't really <laughs> sure where you were going with that sentence, but you uh absolutely correct. We are in the throes of NHL All-Star Week. The the pal- the heart palpitations are through the roof. The, yeah, tenth, one of the, the anticipation is in the air. Really one of the least passionate times of the year. I would argue <laughs> is early February. Hate the NHL All-Star game. That's what's so <laughs> funny about it. None of them want to go. They all pretend to be injured um and did you want to talk about uh what's his name going to the pro bowl oh tyler Tyler huntley Huntley? my boy how the hell did that happen who voted for tyler huntley i mean like you look at the alternatives and it was like people were like tyler huntley should not be in the pro bowl it should be jacoby Brissett. i mean i think i think the one people really pointing to was trevor lawrence who had a pretty good year He, he is in the pro bowl oh he was named Oh, okay. I think he might have bowed out or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, the man played five games. Yeah. And he was awesome. And he we, was he had, not what, two good. Touchdowns? I'm pretty sure the Ravens <laughs> did not win a game with him <laughs> at quarterback. Uh, yeah, but, hey, does there, like, I'm, I'm asking literally, what was the mechanic that led to him being right. the next player? Was it a media vote? Was it the fan vote? Who's to say, not me, uh, but congratulations to Tyler Huntley. They can never take that away from you. Absolutely. Pro bowler. Um, but we are in the throes of All-Star. Uh, of course, the NFL Pro Bowl as well, I forgot to mention, is this weekend. Uh, but we oh, have done... Wow. <laughs> I'm excited for the. Did you see that? I can't believe the two leagues were so bold as to put their All Star games <laughs> up against one another. Did you see that Tua Tagovailoa is too concussed to play flag football? Oh no, it's concerning. Is, why do we watch this sport? <sighs> it's a fair question. Uh, <laughs> we, there's really no way to justify it, but that's but not course, what we're here for. <laughs> of course, Griffin, there would be 25 percent less content if we. Cut one of the four major North American sports yeah. out of our rotation. Yeah. So we we're not the ones on. propping up the NFL. Don't blame Ab- us. Absolutely. Um, so all star. <laughs> this is well and truly off the rails. Now we I have think devised this, uh, is accurate for how long any all star weekend can hold anyone's attention. This is the we are in the th- throes again of this. <laughs> this is the accuracy challenge of the. <laughs> HFLC All-Star Weekend, <laughs> or of the podcasting All-Star Weekend, I guess. I do want to give credit to the NHL, though. They're they're trying fun stuff. Last year on the Vegas Strip, they had the Blackjack game. Uh, they really incorporated Vegas. This year in Florida, there's the whole thing where they're apparently going to be shooting meat pucks to alligators. Like, did you not hear about that? Mm-mm. That's This is one of the events that's rumored to be a part of. There's also going to be a dunk oh, right. tank. I did hear about this. But yeah, they're going to be shooting meat pucks to alligators, which I'm like, that is what you need. They are sure. trying the right things. And for the NHL, a league that everyone has rightly criticized for so long for being so stuck in their ways and boring and old-fashioned and Lou Lamorello'd, uh, I've heard all of the players will get to wear numbers above 30 if they want to during the All-Star game. That actually, we should analyze the all-star rosters and see how many players do because the all-star players are usually more hot dogs yeah so is lou on to something uh (laughs) 
But yeah, shout out to the NHL. I'm looking forward to the alligators getting fed meat pucks. Absolutely. Do you think Lou Lamorello doesn't respect Wayne Gretzky? Because, like, he shows the highest number there is. I mean, yeah, he was just a bit of a hot dog. You know who Lou Lamorello's favorite player is? Number 29, Nathan McKinnon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's a, he's a good Nova Scotia boy. Absolutely. Uh, we've come up with this segment, Griffin. I'm calling it All-Star Cross Lovers, where we, with the NBA All-Star Game coming up, with the NHL All-Star Game coming up, we have done a little bit of cross-promotion, as we like to do. So we are putting uh, players from each respective sport into the other league's All-Star competitions, if yeah, that makes we're any sense at all. basketball players in the Hockey All-Star Weekend and hockey players in the Basketball All-Star Weekend. Precisely. And this is, yeah, we, we I think we have, we'll have a segment maybe next week where we talk about... Well, I mean, we're so busy. We've got the frickin' Super Bowl coming up. Uh, but we should just skip the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. <laughs> Why, are you feeling nervous about your Eagles? Absolutely not. Um, not We're not doing all-star teams. We're just doing events. Yeah. The, so, for example, Griffin, the Slam Dunk Contest, a staple of the NBA All-Star Weekend, which hockey player have you selected to plop yourself into that game well I, I assumed i believe correctly that there's not a single player in the nhl who can dunk a basketball <laughs> so i d- took that out of consideration um and Zdeno i know chara probably could could dunk back in his maybe day. in his prime maybe in his prime in his prime not now no no but uh i went with someone who breaks the internet once every couple of months uh, he's the star of the Breakaway Challenge. Uh, of course, my choice for the Slam Dunk Contest was Anaheim Ducks' Trevor Zegris. Mm. The Michigan man himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's got the flair, he's got the style, he's going to put on a show. Absolutely, Griffin. You So you went a different tactic as me, which I think is interesting. You went more with... And a very important element of the slam dunk contest, as we've seen many times, is the creativity element. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a great slam dunk contest coach. Like he could, you know, he's done things with the puck we've never seen before. He could think of things to do with a basketball we've never seen before. I went more with the athletic element, uh, and of course, everyone we talk about Connor McDavid being, you know, the fastest skater, the highest top speed. He's you know, one of the fastest players we've ever seen in the NHL. But I was thinking to myself, who is the most explosive skater? Like, the sort of mm. guy who can just go up to top speed very quickly. Because I right. feel like that explosiveness is what we were looking for in a slam dunk contest. So, shout out to Lou Lamorello. I landed on Nathan McKinnon. Okay. Can he... I think he, we, we have to lower the rims. Yeah. This, <laughs> seven foot rims? And ultra wide mess. Maybe seven foot rooms is a little. Maybe nine foot rooms. Yeah. Yeah, just bump it down a foot. Um But yeah, Nathan McKinnon, I think, you know, he's got those powerful legs. He can really get up uh if we're especially if we're lowering the rims, I think he'll be really putting on a show above the rim. He maybe won't have you know, he's got some creativity. He's certainly not a Trevor Zegris, but he definitely has some some flair to his game. Uh, so, yeah, I'm taking Nathan McKinnon. I think he will, his sheer feat of athleticism 
it'll be like Vince Carter arm in the hoop type beat. Uh, and I, that's, that's who I've got for this particular segment. I like it. I am on board. Uh, next we had the three point contest, uh, classic accuracy display. Uh, you gotta be good from long range, but you also, I think, well, maybe not so much in today's NBA, but for most of history, you gotta be small. So I wanted to pick a guy who's small, but can also shoot with accuracy. So I went with the Minnesota Wilds, Matt Zuccarello. Uh, I'm a big fan (laughs) of Zook, so I went off the board a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, welcome welcome to the three-point shooting contest. He is Norwegian. I'm not sure how much basketball they play in Norway, but I'm sure that he could figure it out. Yes, I think that that's absolutely right. Griffin, I went a little galaxy brain on this one. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> you're yawning already. I'm just because why to take in all your knowledge. <laughs> got that. Got that. <laughs> well, it's not even that galaxy brain. But the thing that first popped into my mind is you know at first you're like accuracy, but really I think what's more important in the three point contest, especially because you know no one's guarding you or anything is the consistency of it. That, and also, you know, there's a bit of clutch factor in it as well. And so, rather than just go for purely accuracy, and, you know, my player is very accurate as well, but I'm thinking consistency and clutch factor. So I've gone with Alexander Ovechkin for my three-point shooter, who you don't really think of as, like... (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Um... You don't really think of as a uh, a marksman necessarily, although he is a very accurate shooter. You more think of him as a power shooter, but the consistency, Griffin, in his form, especially like you know, he's hitting the money ball from the left yeah, circle. I, I see where you're coming from on this, uh, and so that's uh, that's my logic. And you know, even if I don't think anyone's form is going to be particularly good, and so. I think it'll be less about the accuracy, more about the consistency of the mechanics, and that's why I've chosen, controversially, as you say, <laughs> Alex Ovechkin. You you have many times proven, Chris, that morals plays no part in your decision-making. Mm-hmm. Member of my fantasy football team, Deshaun Watson. Yes. Yeah, your Spotify <laughs> wrapped featuring Kanye West. Um... <laughs> Uh, next up, we had the skills challenge, the NBA skills challenge. You've seen it. You dribble around the pylons. You pass it through the barrel. I can only assume that that hoop is smaller than it looks on television because the NBA players can <laughs> never get it in the hoop, so and it's true. just like a chess pass. I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could get it through that hoop. Um, so it must be smaller than it looks. Uh, for this one, Chris, I think the choice was obvious. I went with Connor McDavid. Um, Griffin... This skills challenge is near and dear to my heart. It's so near and dear As to a my heart. Competitor, <laughs> sure. It's so near and dear to my heart that I did not write anyone down. <laughs> oh my goodness! And so I will be joining you, Griffin. I will also say Connor McDavid, certainly one of the most skilled uh, NHL players. A great passer. Obviously, has a speed element as well because you know time is a factor. So. I see no problem with choosing the NHL's best player to represent it in its skills challenge. Uh, I think that's a great choice. The skills challenge is true basketball. The other things are, <laughs> uh, are just one element of the game. 
Skills Challenge has it all. All right, Chris, we will now select basketball players to compete in the NHL. And first off, I want to get your choice for the fastest skater. Mm -hmm. This one was interesting, Griffin, because I think there are a lot of different ways you can go here. I feel like I have the clear, correct choice, though. I'm interested to see if you came up with the same answer as me. There is one basketball player who you think of, because, you know, the thing about skating, as someone who has skated before at least once, it's all about the stride, you know? Yes. Like, if you get a good stride, you can really, you can stride and glide. That's what people are always saying about skating. Yeah. And so, who better to be the fastest skater than the guy with the longest, smoothest strides who can cross a court we've seen in three steps, basically. My fastest skater is Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's very interesting philosophy, Chris, because I do think that traditionally in the hockey world, we see guys that are big Shorter. Uh, with long limbs, like Zidane Ochara, traditionally not the fastest skaters. So... Uh, it's an interesting strategy. I went with a guard who's mm. uh, well known for quickness, um, and they've just they've really broken out onto the scene this year. I went with Shea Gilgis Alexander from the Oklahoma mm. City Thunder as my guard. Also, a Canadian connection, so you probably yeah, you've probably how to skate. got an advantage there. Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's interesting, because I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Like, the short stride is almost better in terms of, like, picking up speed quickly and things like that. But I'm just imagining Giannis Antetokounmpo on skates. And it's like, how do you beat that? I'm just instantly, like, if if he, like, if he can, if he's allowed to push off <laughs> from from the boards... I feel like no one's stopping him. I feel Maybe. like it's like he the pushes corners. off. I'm, I'm curious about the corners, though. Step, step. His edge work be, might... have to cross over. Are his, his long legs going to get tangled up? Are his long arms going to clip the boards and the net as he's doing his speed skating arm pumping? Like, I, I just... I, I will I, admit, I Griffin, the... I, did, I do not know the format of the fastest skater challenge. Oh, they do like a lap. Right. I can, I can imagine that now. Um, I was thinking more like in like a 40 yard dash kind of sense. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm still happy to take Giannis Antetokounmpo. He, you know, you talk about Zidane Ochara. Zidane Ochara ain't no Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'll say that much. Uh, with all due respect. One of so, them is going to be in the Hall of Fame before the other one. So say what you will about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Lou Lamorello ass. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Griffin, the breakaway challenge. Uh, I I I don't love my choice here. Um, I kind of went, kept it simple, stupid. Uh, obviously, the breakaway challenge is kind of the NHL's answer to the slam dunk contest. I went with someone who has never been in the slam dunk contest, but has always been widely desired and wished for and talked about virtually every year of his career mm. to be in the slam dunk contest. Has it been a long career, this p mysterious person who you're It's been a lengthy at? career. Um, it's been a career full of championships. What? Full of lying on the floor crying because he didn't get the call he wanted. He's been through so much. He's dealt with a last two minutes report. Uh, he's a very st a stalwart competitor. Maybe not the most 
flashy or creative player, but definitely, you know, in his day knows how to throw down a reverse oh, yeah. double clutch jam or two. I've gone with LeBron James here, Griffin. It's interesting because I think so much of the appeal about LeBron's dunks were in the power. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if a breakaway is like a power situation, really. Uh, so I, I think your choice is interesting. I just basically flipped my logic that got Trevor Zegers in the slam dunk contest. So mm-hmm. I went with one of the most exciting young dunkers in the game today. I believe he, I believe he'll be competing in his first slam dunk contest this season. I went with the Portland Trailblazers, Shaden Sharp. I think getting a good mm-hmm. young guy. Uh, is going to get some eyes on the breakaway challenge. Sure, absolutely. I'm sure. I think LeBron James probably would get some more eyes on the breakaway. People have seen it. Um, Yeah, that's interesting, Griffin. Uh, Another element that I sort of had, not entirely in my consideration, but that was part of my thinking is like, they do have to do this on ice. They do have to use a hockey stick in the same way that I assume that Alex Ovechkin does not have the best three-point form. I assume that... You know, LeBron James isn't going to be the best stick handler. Also, I did notice, Griffin, you chose another Canadian. Is Shaden Sharp Canadian? He is, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, But I feel like LeBron James has so much hand-eye coordination. He's, you know, has the best vision we've basically ever seen on a basketball court. Yeah. I feel like he also is going to be able to handle a hockey stick and handle the puck much better than 99% of NBA players. Yeah, I mean, LeBron is obviously just, like, seems like one of those people who could have gone pro in any sport that he Mm -hmm. wanted to. Uh, So, yeah, I do think that, like, someone like that who is unprecedentedly athletic and one of the, yeah, just one of the greatest athletes humanity has ever seen, uh, I I don't think it would be too difficult for him to pick up how to stick handle. Uh, There are lots of kids all over the world who do it every day. Sure, you give him half an hour, he'll be he'll have it down. So I like your thinking there, Chris. I will never criticize choosing LeBron James. Uh, next up, we have the accuracy shooting contest. Absolutely. Uh, you want me to go first, I'm detecting? Oh, if you if you want, I don't. Doesn't really bother me. <laughs> okay. Well, Griffin, I taught I much like you translated your logic uh, between the slam dunk contest and the breakaway challenge. I translated my logic between the three-point contest and the accuracy challenge because you might think, oh, I'll choose the best shooter, but I think that that's not necessarily where you want to go with this. I was thinking, like, these people aren't going to be comfortable handling hockey pucks. You know, these people, even though you're shooting in an open net, there's sort of this additional element. And so I was thinking about the best, like, tough shot makers even if they're sort of uncomfortable, just have this natural knack towards mm. putting mm. the the ball or the puck to where it needs to go. And so to join, <laughs> and also, interestingly, uh, to counteract uh, Alexander Ovechkin, you know, I think they'll be interesting partners together in this sort of dual-sided challenge. I've chosen Kyrie Irving. Oh, my God. <laughs> You, you, know, you really great, do just throw it. You're a, a great tough shot maker. Um, you, you thought it, you're the type of person who is like, let's stick to Bobby Hall's on ice legacy. That's the only thing that <laughs> let's matters Let's honor to me. the Hall of Famer. Let's start there. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting from your picks here today, Chris. Uh, the on ice, on court logic, I agree with. 
Um, I went with someone similar, a guy who is a, a very accurate shooter, a good ball handler, makes shots on the run, can make t- contested threes. He's back this year for the first time in a while, uh, so I'm happy to see him back. Uh, from the Denver Nuggets, I went with Jamal Murray. Mm. Love the pick, Griffin. Thank you. Uh, another Canadian, I really? have to point out. Really? <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, okay. <laughs> Night now. <laughs> I didn't know that Jamal Murray was uh, Ooh, Ooh, It seems like there might be a bit of a master plan unfolding here. I hate you so much. Um, I'm sure Shaden Sharp has played a ton of hockey. It's our national winter sport, I would hope he <laughs> Great save. Um, terrific, Griffin. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Got two more here. Can't wait to see. I can I predict something? Yes. Is Kelly Olynyk your hardest shot competitor? He, he. I thought about Kelly Olynyk, but uh, in the end, I didn't think like I. As much as he's a big guy, uh, I wanted someone who's built, and I think one of the most built players in the National Basketball Association, who I think would really just be able to get Joel his, Anthony to get his muscle behind a shot and really just blast it home. Also comes from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I went with Lou Dort. Okay, <laughs> an interesting pick. Not uh, he's got like so, the, he's got the compact strength. Sure, I mean certainly not a weak player by any stretch of the imagination, but not really who I think of when I think of strongest NBA players. Oh, I think so. You can't you can't back down Lou Dort. <laughs> okay. Um... And so when I was thinking of strongest NPA players, Griffin, you know, there's also the the Zdeno Chara factor, who we keep coming back to in this discussion, who, yes, we do. as one of the tallest NHL players ever, or if not the tallest? I think the tallest. Uh, also, famously, one of the hardest shots ever. Yeah. So I'm thinking that height definitely does translate here, and so... Yeah, you get the long stick with the flex, and you just... Rip it. Rip it. Grip it and rip, rip it. Rip it, bud. Um, so I've gone with a player who is very tall and is also very strong. I think especially for the hardest shot, form is like, becomes decreasingly a factor here. Steven Adams. Okay. That's just imagine Certainly that. a strong player. He doesn't even have to put skates on. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, he no, I, just... I like that a lot. I thought you were going to go with ball ball. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Again, not a player I really think of as strong. No, but you were talking about, you're going on and on about how tall they have to be. Um, Steven Adams is a great choice, Chris. I absolutely think that his shoulders could just elevate a puck through through the net. We might be talking through the net yeah. territory there. Through the glass. Yeah, the last one was the save streak, and much like you may have been thinking for the hard shot, this one I was thinking limbs, limbs, limbs. I want a big Trey Lyles. guy. I want long arms, long legs, filling up the net, saving as many shots as possible. So I went with uh, Dwight Powell. You guy, suck. Guy with long arms. <laughs> you. I, my team is going to beat yours. It I has now say. been revealed that all my players were Canadian, <laughs> which I think gives me a huge advantage in this. They were all raised, even though they're all professional basketball players. Yeah. They were all raised in a hockey-mad country. Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah. is, like, they don't play hockey in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they don't, 
when I they don't play hockey, i.e., I would be pretty surprised if any of these players that you mentioned, especially the tall ones, if any of them were like, oh yeah, I was a hockey player first, and then I switched to basketball. <laughs> There's tons of translatable skills, like we're like we're going through right now. Uh, Steve Nash probably played hockey. That's interesting. I wonder if Steve Nash did play hockey. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and... He went to Earl Haig? That's crazy. Dwight Powell, this is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, uh, a, he's a local boy. I am going to Google Dwight Powell hockey and just see what comes up. Uh, here's Dwight Powell. Oh, well, he did play two years in the MJHL in 1976 and 1977 for the St. Boniface Saints. This is what I'm telling you. This is the same Dwight Powell, right? Gotta be. Four career MJHL points in 17 games played. I think that, uh, you know, if he's good enough to be in the MJHL, which we all know and assume to be the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, then he's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, the guy who went to Earl Haig definitely ended up in the Manitoba <laughs> Junior Hockey League. Well, you know, people travel. It's a, it's, a, it's a big country, Griffin. Yeah. For my safe streak selection, I have not gone the same route as you. I have not chosen all Canadian players. Um, I wish you the best of luck with that. I'm Griffin, feeling good. I would just like to point out, uh, when he was young, Shaden Sharp was in power skating, according to his, <laughs> according to the London Free Press. Never played Leonard, shout out London. Uh, was in power skating. Great. Um, and then a football coach saw him power skating and asked if he wanted to try football, so he went to the hockey arena and came out a football player. Uh, <laughs> but he did power skate. Yeah, it sounds like he took one class. Which is going to be great for the breakaway challenge. This is Absolutely. It's in our DNA, Chris. Every Canadian has a bit of hockey. Mm-hmm. Griffin, can you think of a player? So we're talking about the save streak. We're in net now. Can you think of a player, Griffin? With amazing hands. With terrific hand-eye coordination. I already... With (laughs) some of the best, you know, reflexes and hands we've ever seen... Say hands again. ...on a basketball court. You gotta hand it to him. But Griffin, there's a problem with this player. Oh, no. His undoing are his legs. Specifically his quadriceps. Yes. And the, his tendons therein. Imagine if that player didn't have to run up and down the court. Imagine if he could just use his massive hands and amazing dexterity and the way that his hands just seem to find the ball, or the puck in this case, without having to go anywhere. Griffin, your 2023 save streak champion is Kawhi Leonard. That's very interesting, Chris. I can't help Also but- an honorary Canadian. Yes, I can't help but feel that one stick handle would have Kawhi Leonard uh, <laughs> a bit bamboozled. Trevor Zegers coming in on him. Um, sure, he's no... Who did you choose? I chose Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell. <laughs> who, as we well established, played in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. <laughs> I don't know what position he played. Probably goalie, if I know Dwight. <laughs> he got picked up four assists. <laughs> Just to be clear, this is this can't be the same Dwight Powell, right? It's 1976, Griffin. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> I did not you catch that fool. detail. 
Um, I'm feeling good about my team. Chris Kawhi Leonard's a good choice if they go high. But Kawhi Leonard in a butterfly? I think the Clippers may prevent this. You you might have to forfeit because there's no chance the Los Angeles Clippers are letting Kawhi Leonard out on the ice. So true. Um, so yeah, you didn't. You overlooked that insurance. Me, it's by getting role players, uh, the, the team won't is care as much if they blow their knee out trying to do a hockey skills challenge. Yeah, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jamal Murray. Those, you chose all superstars. Uh, Steven I, Adams. Superstar. <laughs> In its own right, certainly. Griffin, I assume that this segment has been going on upwards of an hour. Uh, we simply must leave it there. It feels like it. <laughs> it feels like years. <laughs> We will leave it there for now and come back with a an assortment of other uh, sports news when High Flow Low Ceiling returns. And welcome back to the, the world's shortest second segment. Yeah, we're, we, we, we went a little long. Uh, <laughs> of High Flow Low Ceiling. Griffin, you had a couple... Do you just want to take 10 seconds and talk about... The Chiefs and Kareem, as you have in our in our grab bag. I mean, really, like this is just intangibles continued. We certainly spent plenty of time on intangibles off the top, so yeah. we can just uh, close with a couple of quick things. Kareem, obviously, LeBron's closing in on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe like bizarrely the most underrated player in NBA history. Like, doesn't really ever show up in the goat conversation, but absolutely should literally an unguardable player during his prime uh and i just want as we are all getting ready to celebrate lebron breaking one of the sport's most hallowed records i'm I'm sure this will be the case but i do hope that people also take this moment to celebrate kareem as well and i hope the two of them celebrate each other because that would be great to see sure absolutely they can celebrate each other um yeah i mean i think i talked about this already on this podcast but it's so offensive to me, and I'm not going to sneeze. It's so offensive to me that the trophy for the NBA's most valuable player was not named for the player who won the most most valuable player it's awards. Crazy. yeah. Like, that's just wrong. And, like, I saw barely anyone else talking about it. I saw... Uh, a, a middle-aged man on TikTok talking about it, and I was like, respect to you. You know your stuff. Uh, <laughs> so shout out to that guy. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. One of the... I, I, I don't know. Five because greatest? He, certainly, yes. Uh, he, I feel he is almost simultaneously underrated and overrated, because like, there are points against him. He never won a championship as, like, the clear-cut number one player. His MVP years mostly came in years when he wasn't really competitive for a championship. Like, you yeah, know, but his, he's, all, like, he's the greatest high school basketball player of all time. He's the greatest college basketball player of all time. Absolutely. They banned dunking because he was too good at dunking. Yeah. No, yeah, like, just his impact and, of course, everything that he's done off the court. He's a terrific... Uh, writer and leader. Uh, it's honestly unfair. Like how good he is as a writer. I subscribe to his Substack every week. I get his take on the news and stuff like that. He is a beautiful, beautiful writer. And I'm like, that's that's not right. You're, you 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 get to be all time great at one thing. 
Absolutely. I don't know if he's an all-time great Maybe not an all-time, but, but he is far more talented at writing than anyone who is so and good at you basketball, are a basketball has <laughs> any right to be. Like, you get a certain number of skill points, and he has so Absolutely. many in basketball that he shouldn't have this many left in writing. Exactly. He already rolled a broken basketball stat. He shouldn't right. be able to also, you know, shore up his weaknesses as well. Right. Uh, and finally, Chris, we the Royal Rumble, I believe, was this mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a Saturday, weirdly. Oh, is it usually a Sunday? It's usually Sunday. They've been doing more Saturdays lately. I find it confusing, but I persisted nonetheless. Um, all anyone can talk about is the bloodline, and I do not know what happened. You gave me the update last week. I was all in on the story of Jimmy Kane. Uh, what was his name? Jimmy K- Sammy Zane. Sammy Zane. <laughs> I was close. It's, yeah, and Jimmy King is the one of the main characters in the 2000 film Ready to Rumble, well, starring David Arquette. Definitely so. what I had it mixed up with. Played by Oliver Platt. Oh, I like Oliver Platt. So we sort of talked about so we talked about the this trial of Sami Zayn that happened uh, last week on Raw. We were sort of wondering, or I was sort of wondering, like, is he going to have to enter the Rumble? Is he going to have to take part in some sort of match? You know, Roman Reigns talked about this final test. As it turned out, uh, I believe I talked to you last week about Cody Rhodes and how he was sort of being set up to be the the Rumble winner, how it seemed like they were sort of telegraphing that he would be the guy to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, to dethrone Roman Reigns as the this extremely long-running champion. So... During the Royal Rumble match, which, if you're not aware, is to decide who will main event WrestleMania or who will challenge for a title shot at WrestleMania. Right. Yeah, I'm never clear on the hierarchy of the events in the W. How often is there a Royal Rumble? It's once a year. Once so, a year? Oh, it's a big deal. Yeah, so the big four pay-per-views. Obviously, you have WrestleMania. If WrestleMania Royal... is only once a year? Yeah. I feel like I see advertisements for WrestleMania all the time. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's got to be more but, than once a year. I don't think you're right. Well, we're kind of we're we're kind of like on what's called the road to WrestleMania. So WrestleMania right. is usually like at like in like April, I think. And we just had the Royal Rumble, and so now like basically the whole time between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania is like WrestleMania season, basically. Right? Is the because... Royal Rumble the one where like thirty guys come out in a row and like you have to like stay in the ring for as long mm-hmm. as you can? Yeah. You have to not get thrown over the top rope, and the last person remaining gets to challenge for a title shot at WrestleMania. That's why it's one of the, you know, okay. primary. So, and Roman, because so is Roman Reigns the reigning WrestleMania champion? I mean, probably. I can't. <laughs> he he is the WWE champion, and right. obviously, the WWE champion tends to main event WrestleMania. Right. Um. I can't really remember <laughs> what what match he was in or who the champions were. Uh, all right, well, this is all. I'm getting in the weeds here. Please, yes, we did not know what this test at Royal Rumble was going to be. It seemed like he might have to wrestle Roman Reigns himself. That did kind of seem like that might be where we were headed. Um, sorry, I'm now... I just quickly need to close off that chapter and say... at. Last year's WrestleMania, 
Roman Reigns defeated Brock Lesnar to unify the two different WWE titles there were, which sort of kicked off this sort of domination bloodline era where he has the, both the belts and is like the dominant force in wrestling, sort of. Mm-hmm. So it was certainly a pivotal time Did for him. Conor McGregor, the, the wrestling world. Absolutely. Um, so first, the, the Men's Royal Rumble opens the show. Cody Rhodes does return, as expected, at number 30, the final entrant, which is sort of, you know, obviously a plum position to be in. Right. Yeah, you, that seems like a huge advantage. It is a huge advantage, for sure. Uh, ends up winning the whole thing, eliminates a Gunther last, uh, a great wrestler. But yeah, so Cody Rhodes is the Royal Rumble winner. He is seemingly being set up to main event WrestleMania. Uh, and then... For the main event, you had Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens in this match. Uh, quite quite a brutal match. Uh, Roman Reigns really brought some punishment to Kevin Owens. Uh, you know, he was smashing his head on the steel steps, things of that oh. nature. And then after the match, I feel like this segment is going to just be a lot of me like breathing heavily through my mouth. So It's exciting <laughs> stuff you're talking about here. After the match... Uh, the the rest of the bloodline sort of comes out. Kevin Owens gets handcuffed to the ropes, and then what? they're just basically like, "Yeah." So Kevin Owens is like out at this point. Like he's been defeated. Obviously, okay. he's sort of he's in a daze. They come out, of course. They handcuff him to the ropes, and then the Usos, the the twin brothers who are you know Roman sort of head flunkies, are just taking turns like kicking him in the face, basically. Uh, I'll send you a video of this after. It's quite a it's quite a segment, uh, but he is really just getting destroyed. And then finally, Roman Reigns gets out the chair, the steel chair, obviously a, a pro that's wrestling a, that's staple. A staple, yeah, that's a classic. Uh, and this whole time, Sami Zayn has been there and has just been basically watching this. He's clearly, you know, Kevin Owens is his dear friend, his brother for many many years in the wrestling world. Uh, right, and Sami Zayn left Kevin Owens to join the Bloodline. Basically, he and Kevin Owens has a have a very fraught relationship. They I have see. been mortal enemies at times. They have been brothers at times. They are very closely linked there, people a, and characters. A, a ton of history there. Um, and so as Roman's getting the chair out, Sami Zayn. So first, he has Sami go get the chair. And then, as Roman's about to ostensibly bash Kevin Owens' head in, Sami Zayn steps in front of him. He says, <gasps> you've done enough. Everyone acknowledges your greatness. You don't need to do this. You're better than this. Right. You don't, you don't need to do this. need to not, commit murder. On <laughs> yeah. Not explicitly turning against him, but sort of stepping in a little. Right. Just being like, it's like, hey... He's got a foot in both camps. All right, I, I like this from Sammy. That's, a, I think, a, the smart, responsible move. Yeah. Uh, but Roman, he's not really one to take no, any kind of dissent or pushback lightly. Especially when he's already seeing red. Absolutely. And so, what does he do, Griffin? He hands Sammy Zane the chair. <gasps> he says, I won't do it. You do it. This is so Saturday morning cartoon. It's crazy. It is, very much so. And the crowd is, like, going crazy at this yeah. point. Um, and then 
Sami Zayn, he's holding the chair. He's so conflicted. Kevin Owens is just like draped against these ropes, just like very, it's all. It's a not to invoke Jesus again, but a very Christ-like image. <laughs> oh my goodness! Where he's sort of being like crucified on the ring ropes. Um, so Sami Zayn, he's holding this chair. He he's so conflicted. He has this incredibly difficult decision to make. And Griffin, he smashes Roman Reigns ah! with the chair. I was gonna the say the place goes crazy. That's got that. I think that's oh, that sounds fantastic. The does he just turn on his heel and well, so he he's sort of like standing behind Roman and then he's just holding the chair. He they, they really milked it, yeah. Um, but an appropriate amount of time. <laughs> and then when it finally happens, the place goes crazy. Obviously, the bloodline is horrified and shocked, and then they they beat down Sami Zayn. Oh my goodness! But then Jay Uso. So, who you'll remember at the trial, he was the one who didn't trust Sammy at first and then came to trust him. Right. He came to Sammy's defense in the trial. Jay Uso leaves the ring. He says, I can't do this anymore. I can't see this happen to Sami Zayn. I'm out. And he walks away. <sighs> and now we don't know what's going to happen next. Has been fractured. There are multiple. They got to they gotta stop the bleeding here. The bloodline has been fractured. We don't know what's going on with Jey Uso. We don't know where his loyalties lie. It seems that we're headed towards just Cody and Sammy for WrestleMania, but we don't know exactly what what's going to happen. Or sorry, Cody and Roman okay, uh, yeah. at WrestleMania. So we're not clear what's going to happen with Sammy at WrestleMania, who he's going to face, how that exactly is going to shake out, where Kevin Owens fits in. In my mind... This, because the match was so brutal and they gave him this huge beatdown, this was to sort of take Kevin Owens out of the picture, right, he won't be is what I'm thinking. Time. Yeah, or he'll come back in a month or something like that, but it was quite a brutal beatdown, and so we don't know exactly how this is going to play out. I think there are a lot of different ways they could go with it. It seems like they, Cody Rhodes is sort of, like, with all due respect, is a great wrestler. It's Like, who cares about Cody Rhodes? Like the That's the thing, is that... People were excited about Cody Rhodes, and I think they still are excited. He got a very good response at Monday Night Raw on Monday, um, and people were quite happy for him, it seemed. But when he came out at number 30, the reaction was a little tepid, I thought. And when he won the Rumble, the reaction was a little tepid, especially when you compare it to Sami Zayn's reaction. I mean, it's one of the biggest pops, as they call it in wrestling, that I've ever seen is when he hits him with that chair. Right. And so yeah, I don't like know the, how the you cannot... should be Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. Exactly. And it makes me think, Griffin, of several years ago, almost 10 years ago now, WrestleMania 30, the people were all behind Daniel Bryan to be the guy to challenge for and win the world title. They tried to keep him down for a while, but eventually they realized this storyline that occurred organically... Mm. is just too big to not run with. And so I think that that's exactly what's happening here, where the Sami Zayn storyline has grown too organically and become too big of a deal to run with, to not run with. And that's why I think we saw the Men's Royal Rumble go on first, whereas usually that would be the main event of the Royal Rumble. And then the title match with Sami Zayn goes on last instead and that's the big like that's the final moment of the show is Sami right. Zayn's big decision 
And so I think the fact that they knew that and understood that that was a bigger deal than Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble, I think maybe indicates that they have a sense that this is the more important and bigger storyline in wrestling right now. Right. Well, Chris, I greatly enjoy these recaps that I get from you. (laughs) Um, When is WrestleMania? WrestleMania, when is WrestleMania? It's usually like the first week of April. Oh, so we've got uh, some time. You, it's April 1st and April 2nd. Are, it's, it's a two-night two affair. two-night event. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I cannot wait for further updates from the Bloodline. Um, I think that is going to do it for today's episode. I think we're all out of time, unfortunately, but that was fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of Sammy. I think... He, like, the cool kids tried to recruit him for a bit, but he stuck up for his true friend in the end. Um, and I I really hope that he takes down Roman. I'm anti-Roman, I gotta say. Wow. Much like the, uh, the Trojans? No, they fought Sparta? the Greeks. <laughs> uh, Anti-Roman. <laughs> Persians, maybe? Sure, 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 sure. The, uh, the Celts? At any rate. The Celts are anti-Roman. <laughs> sure, the wow. Germanic yeah, tribes. Absolutely. Um, so, you're whatever those are. Thank you all for li- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I hope this was entertaining. <laughs> this episode felt like it got out of hand. Um, please remember to give five stars, subscribe, tell a friend, uh, however you receive your podcasts. HFLC Podcast on Twitter on Instagram, on TikTok. Listen to the OUA Basketball Show. Follow Griffin at GriffinPorter97 on Twitter. Follow me at Jane on Twitter. And until next time, keep your floors high and your ceilings low. <laughs> <laughs>